Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Beyond the Pitch. I'm Christian Jack. My guest this week is Stefan Ostacchio, who joined me recently from his home in Portugal before making his way to Vancouver for the current international camp. Born in Leamington, Ontario, we talk about his journey back to Portugal, why he chose Canada, that debut versus the United States, and how brilliant he was, of course, at the Gold Cup. Clearly, we also get into this remarkable run by Canada to the World Cup in Qatar 2022, how he played a pivotal role inside that. And of course, with that comes some great stories. When he started to believe, how he juggled testing positive for COVID, his move to Porto and a key World Cup qualifying window all at the same time. And of course, the story behind that pass, his remarkable ball from a free kick in Edmonton that was finished by Kyle Lahren. The goal that led to the celebrations in the snowbank but would never have happened without, of course, Astakio's brilliance. Find out how and why he did exactly what he did that night. Stefan started our chat worried a little bit about his English, but as you will get to know here, he is a warm, kind person with a real drive to reach the very top. We talk about winning the double with Porto and the new challenges that that brings. Why he is now, of course, a big York United fan in the Canadian Premier League. And we have some fun at the end with some quick fire questions. Sit back and enjoy a very unique interview with a player Canada clearly needs to know more about. Here's my interview with Stefan Mustak. Steph, great to see you. Thanks so much for joining us. It's been a pretty special week for you. I know you've just been crowned a double winner with Porto. How's things going for you this week? Thank you very much for the opportunity. Uh, no, I, I'm in heaven, to be honest. You know, it's my first two titles. Of course, if, if there was a title for first in CONCACAF, I would win that too. But there wasn't a trophy. Uh, but, but we have it the same way. Uh, yeah, I've been I've been living the dream, you know, playing at the for me the best club in Portugal, uh, having two titles at this time, twenty five. I think I can go for more. So let's keep dreaming. Let's keep dreaming. I, I'd imagine you don't want to wake up after what's happened with Canada this season and then with Porto. We'll get to the Canada start in a second, but. Um, You'd mentioned it there. Some of your minutes have been a little bit more limited, although you played a ton of football anyway. So I'm sure that that's not necessarily a massive setback. But what's the environment like playing in a club like that that is just a winning club? It's it's just it's so different. Like the mentality of of even the the players. Like uh, I say this a lot to my friends and to my family. Like everybody's locked in. It's a little bit like like the men's national team. Like there's no space for error. And then the 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 way the coach and all the staff, like there's more staff, there's more directors, there's more everything, there's more money, there's more conditions and all of that. It's just, it's, it's an amazing opportunity. I mean, I grow every day. Uh, of course, as you said, the minutes haven't come along, but I mean, I don't mind being the first Canadian to, to, to play at a big level to win trophies because like if I do it, if I'm the first, obviously I'm going to open the path for other Canadians uh, in the future to have the opportunity and I mean things are never easy of course but I rather I rather work hard and 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 try try to have more minutes with Porto than just go back to a, a medium low level and play all the time because like I grow to a certain point but by believing Porto I can grow way more yeah it's a great great point so so you lift two trophies you just mentioned it the league title the cup what's that like talk us through that celebration as a group when you're with that group and I know you joined in January we'll get to that in a second but you know, that the culmination of a dream as an ambition as a collective group to then go out there and lift that with your buddies. What's that like? Yeah, for sure. Uh, obviously, coming in, in January, uh, if, even like on a low end as my situation, like you don't want to move nothing. You don't want to destroy nothing. You just want to go along with it, you know? 
so like obviously the first weeks was to try to see how things are going how how do they move how do they operate how the players are personalities and everything the coaches personalities try to try to study him a little bit and then once we keep it going it's just i'm there to help you know if it's one minute two minutes if 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 there's no minutes you know obviously during the week i have to be very good so my colleagues are good as well right. and 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 that's the thing that uh the more a good player i am the more good players they are and they're ready for the weekend so i mean obviously at this time i'm trying to push them but in the future of course other people are going to try to push me and it's good for everybody so yeah to to finish with both both cups both domestic cups it's very very good i mean as i said it's it's a dream come true it's a dream and it's a pleasure to talk to you about it talk us through now it's happened i guess we can enlighten people a little bit more what that january was like because it goes to almost the very end of the month i don't want to put words in your mouth but i think it, it seemed inevitable but it was very very precarious at times whether you're going to get there and then, bang, the international window opens up and everyone's asking, is Stefan Astakio coming over? Then there's, you know, thoughts about him being ill and sick. And then is he coming to play in Hamilton? And then and you're getting your dream move at the same time. Like, how difficult is that to digest and take all that? And what was that like? Yeah, it was kind of crazy because um, I, did the, I did the COVID test to travel to the national team because I had no symptoms. And then I think I was going to supposed to do the camp, come back and sign with Porto. But at the time I did the COVID test to travel, I had no symptoms and I just, uh, it was positive. So I'm like, wow, this is a big situation because I can't go to the men's national team. I'm probably going to lose two games that I did. Uh, there's going to be one game. Um, I think I played in El Salvador. There's going to be one game in El Salvador, uh, but still I have to sign with Porto. And then I was in a hard situation. I talked with John about this because obviously when you sign with a big club, you kind of want to do everything they want. You kind of, you know, run to be on the, on, the, on the same page as them. And me having COVID and not being able to train with them for seven days and then coming back to them and saying, okay, guys, I'm here, but I have to go play El Salvador. So see you later. That was a very hard situation for me. So I try to manage things as I could. And I mean, at the end of the day, they were very nice people. They, they comprehend everything. So I had COVID, seven days at home, trade at, trained at home, went there in the morning. Hello, I'm here. I'm your new player, but I have to go to El Salvador. And then in the afternoon, I just traveled to El Salvador. We won. I played 70 something minutes, came back and continued my history with Porto. That was yeah, a r- remarkable story. Wow. Uh, yeah. Not the first time, by the way, that like the heart has been and the head's been battling Canada versus Portugal. That's almost been a theme of your life. No, a little bit. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. For sure. I mean, at the end of the day, it's just, I'm 25 years old. I have the legs to run now. If I don't run when I'm 25, when I'm going to run. So I'm not going to wait for 30, 35. No. As long as I can run, I'm going to run. And if if I have to do all these trips, you know, it's kind of hard for me uh, now that I'm talking to you, you know, like we're going to play in Vancouver on the Pacific side and I'm in Portugal. I'm going to do a 12 hour and 30 minute flight to San Francisco and then I'm going to travel more two hours and 30 minutes to Vancouver. And people don't acknowledge that like, because, like, you know, all, a lot of players play in Canada. It's just right there, three hours, four hours. But the European players, it's a very hard push. And imagine this during the competition. So let's say there was times, to be honest, where I was at Paso de Freira and obviously we probably can play Sunday night and there's Thursday a game 
in Toronto or there's Thursday a game in Mexico. And I play Sunday, travel Monday morning, arrive wherever on that Monday, have jet lag, and then recover probably Tuesday, do set pieces on Wednesday and go again on Thursday. Mm. And then go again on Sunday. And then go on again on Tuesday or Wednesday, whatever. And then come back. And then on the weekend, we have a game, like a club game, you know, and we just have to perform. And sometimes people don't see that, you know, they just want like, okay, he's here. He has to perform better or whatever. But like, it's very hard. Physically, it's very hard for us. And I think everybody has done an exceptional job. Yeah, you've done an exceptional job. And, and uh, let me just say, I'm glad you were there for that set pieces training, mate. Because uh, Can- thank you, thank you. <laughs> Canada's set pieces are exceptional thanks to you uh we'll get on to that in a second i want to talk about a specific set piece in edmonton um talk to me about this love affair with this team i mean i was there for your debut in orlando and i, I remember the game didn't go very well but i can tell you this now i'm on the i'm on the side going please put him on the pitch can we please <laughs> cap tie this guy right now yeah. because at the time there was still this debate where are you going to go could you play for portugal I know now, speaking to you and others, your heart was fully in then. You were completely committed at that point and there was never any danger. But for those of us who love the national team, obviously we wanted you to get involved. But from that moment, and that's not that long ago, Steph, you know, September, two, uh, October 2019. Yeah. And now, how has this been? And I, I'd imagine it's just unbelievably exceeded all expectations. Yeah, for sure. At, at the time, like if, if, if I'd never wanted to play with Canada, I would never go to a camp. That's the first thing. I don't like the idea of like people going to camps just to try to see how it is and then make the decision. No, like we're talking about a country, you know, we're talking about nationality. I think like if you, if you grab it, you grab it, you do your homework at home and then you go and you go for it like forever. So that was my mind. And I mean, yeah, I played, I think around 20 minutes that game. Uh, It was a good feeling. It was a good feeling. I came back from my ACL rehab and everything. So it was a very interesting moment. But at the time, as you said, Canada was still growing. You know, John was still moving pieces and everything. I, I was at the camp back uh, in Toronto against the U.S. where we won 2-0. And that was after my ACL rehab. That was a month before, I think. And I'm training like a crazy guy, you know, like because everything is new. I'm motivated. I want to show John I'm here. I'm going there. I'm practicing. I'm doing everything okay. And then the the medical staff comes to me and say okay you can't play this was one month before i'm like i can't play why can't i play you don't see me training like i've been training good i i run i do everything i i jump i i do everything john wants like positioning and everything why can't i can't play it's too soon right it's too soon you can't play i'm like are you serious and then john came talk to me he's like stephan you have been one of the best players training here in camp and I asked him, John, why can't I play then? Like, I've shown you in training what I've been doing. How can I play? And he says, you know, like, if, if, you, if you go in and, and something happens, I will never forget myself. So it's hard for me as well. But I'd rather wait a month and then you start your history with me together and, like, go straight forward than me putting you in this game and something happens and probably you're never going to come back or going to come to your level. So it was hard to digest, but at the same time, I know he was caring about me and the medical stuff. And today I say thank you because I didn't play that game and I came uh, against the U.S. in Orlando. And uh, it's, it's a good story, but to, to answer your question, I think like you never know the, you, you can never project like 
what the country or what the future can be. And at the time, everything was so like moving around. And as I said, like it was very hard to think about a future because we were living our present because we had a lot of things to, we had a lot of things to grow on and everything. But I mean, it has been crazy to be honest. <laughs> it has been crazy, 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 crazy. Crazy in a great way. And you've been a, a massive part of that. So let's talk about, you know, I suppose March 2021 comes along and the World Cup qualifiers start. Initially, you've got, you know, the prelim groups to get through, which were never easy. No one ever imagined it. But in the end, you guys got through that. And then the Gold Cup comes and you were absolutely immense in the Gold Cup. You get your goals. You were brilliant against Costa Rica in that game. When was it? When did you start to feel, one, that you were becoming a major pillar to this team, like an essential player? When did you feel like you were believing in this team as, as, a, as someone that you can play every game? And when did you start thinking, this is... Was there a moment, this is clicking, we're going to get, this is going to happen for us right now. Was there moments like that? Yeah, for sure. At, like at the first stage, I don't want to disrespect nobody, but like the teams we've played, they don't have the quality that we have. Even in our bad day, we could have won that easily. So we went to the second stage and Haiti was kind of a, I won't say a problem, but it was like a little bit of a, there was a doubt because we were going to Haiti to play, you know, the weather and uh, it was artificial grass and the team wasn't at that level yet. And, you know, like we want to be like on point and we want to do everything good. And we knew that at the time we couldn't suffer goals. We won one zero in Haiti with the feeling that back in Chicago, we were going to destroy them. But as I said, we were far from the level we are now mm. and we won four zero. So like Octagon was a very good accomplishment. And then the Gold Cup comes, and it's kind of like that feeling where we lose Fonzie, I think, after the first game, like before the first game. Yeah. Jonathan Davis is not here. Uh, Atiba's not here. If you can help me out, I don't know yeah. other players. But at the time, I think Alistair was like starting, Tejan was starting. You know, like it's all this doubt, but there was a certain point where we look at each other and like, wow, for like this without Fonzie, without Jonathan David, you know, Tejan's coming up and everything. Uh, the Atiba's not here. It was me and Mac back then. Um, like imagine with those guys, what we can, ha what, what can happen. But at the same time, there's a doubt where, you know, like, okay, there's not the quality that they have. It's not here. They're not here. That's why we're so like, that's why our brotherhood is, is this strong because we know that our big guns are not here. So let's stay together. Right. And there was this doubt when the octagon come where, when they are available, how is this going to be? You know, are we going to play for them? Are we going to always pass them the ball? Are you always going to like do differently because you know, the big guns are here and everything's so strange now. And I think like we did, we did that very well. And, and, you know, John has, has a word on that, of course. And just the humbleness of Fonzie, humbleness of Jonathan, David, Kyle, to understand that, like, okay, we, we're here to help, you know, we're here to defend, we're here to make that extra mile, we're here to do that all. And I think the turning point was when we lost against Mexico at the semifinal of the Gold Cup. And, like, we kind of felt that we were on their level without our big guns. And that's where we started to think, like, okay, you know, like, Octagon's coming and this is going to be fun. You know what I mean? I, I love that answer. And, you know, Mark Anthony Kay told me actually on the pitch after that game, he turned to John Herdman. You know, you just got you just got beat by the 99th minute goal, you know, crushing. And, it, and like there were smiles there a little bit. And he turned to John Herdman and said, we are qualifying for the World Cup. 
it's amazing that that birth and that dream and the positivity came out. And that's so often in sport, no, that sometimes it comes out of loss. A loss can learn. You can teach so much right away. Yeah. And that loss that day, you and, and also, Azorio told me the same thing, how quickly the switch came on. It wasn't, you know, un unbelievable amount of dejection. It was it was that belief that you turned to. It sounds like it was more than just a few of you guys. Yeah, 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 for sure. I, I believe I remember when we suffered that 2-1, uh, it was crazy. Mexico was going crazy. A lot of fans there. And, like, we still had a minute, you know. So I remember I'm running to put the ball in, uh, uh, in the midfield and somebody throws the ball in. So there's a second ball. And I see the ball coming. I run to that ball and I kick it out. And then when I turn to go to the midfield, their forward is grabbing the ball. Funes Mori is grabbing the ball and kicking that out, you know? And yeah. at the time, we just want to, like, there's a fight and everything. But, like, now thinking about it, how bad did they want that game to end that they didn't want no ball inside the, 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 the field? You know yeah. what I mean? Like, finish this because, you know, they're strong. Like, even if it's a minute or two, they can come back. And at that time, like, as you said, like, we knew we knew that octagon was going to be fun because like we had the quality to to beat them and that's what we did there was a, there was a a moment in the octagon where we gonna we we went to play mexico and uh tecatito corona plays for porto ejera plays for atletico madrid and uh one more mex uh who was it no, it was me, Tecatito, me, Tecatito, and Ajera. We went, we came at the same flight because we went straight from uh, from Porto to Mexico. He looks at me, and I, I'm, I'm talking to him. Of course, he looks at me. He's like, "Is everybody going to the to the game?" And obviously, he's talking about Fondi, Jonathan David, Kailari, and 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 I look at him. I said, "Yeah, everybody's going." He's like, "It's gonna be a hard game. It's gonna be a hard game." And I look at I look at him. I'm like, "It's gonna be a hard game." Yes. So at that time, he already knew, like they already knew that our team was at that level. And that's amazing. And how quickly do you tell your teammates the moment you land? You're like, look, guys, we, we've got them in our heads here a little bit. They're in our heads, you know? Yeah, for sure. I, I went there and I, I, I talked to John and, and I had a 1v1 meeting with Eric and John because of this midfield positioning thing. And uh, I told him, John, I came with Corona and uh, like they're afraid of us. And then he grabbed that and said it before the game for us to like a, in a motivational way and like people starting like thinking about it and like yeah they're afraid sometimes they don't show but they're afraid you're a pretty even keel guy and i love these chats because we get to know each other more and more importantly the viewers and the fans get to know you more but some people may not know steph that you went to mexico and you played for cruz azul and you alluded to the knee injury earlier the acl you know in the estadio azteca um, literally in your debut, you know, and, and then, you, you know, you're taken off in that car. I never forget it. I've been there, that beautiful tunnel with all the history. And you're, you know, you're in tears at that moment. It, you know, I'm not necessarily bringing that up because I want to hear what you think about that. But was that kind of ever motivated in you in, in games against Mexico? Like almost like these guys didn't get to see the real me when I was out there? Or was that was that ever an indiv a factor individually for you against them? Yeah, for sure. To be honest, during that time where, where like, it was the second game that I got, my, I got my injury, and, you know, you go with so much expectations of doing good, you know, you're in a different country at the time, and even now, like, European players that go to Mexico, they put them, like, on top, you know? And I'm just a kid that played at Chavez with 21 years old. Like, I don't even know what's going on. But at the time, it was big in Mexico. 
Right. So I, I go there, I go there and like, I start seeing the news and I'm I, I, like, I start seeing like, holy, like, this is a big thing for them. You know, they're, they're, they, they're waiting a lot for me. I'm just a kid. I'm 21, 22 years old at, at the time. I think I'm like, wow. I like, I was sold for 3.5 million for 50%. That That's like a 7 million tra- transfer. Yep. And like, at the time it didn't hit me, you know, like I'm 22, 7 million. Okay, let's go, let's go, let's run, whatever. And to have my re- to have my ACL done on the second game and then do my eight month, nine month rehab. And like, they don't even care. Like you're, you're injured. And all they say is that, Oh, you came here to rob money. You came here to not play for Mexico. You came here on vacation. And like, I'm 22 at, at the time. And I'm like, what is this? Like, I just, like, it's not my fault, you know, but like, okay, let's see. I'm going to, I'm going to come back stronger and I'm going to play for you guys. And then you guys are going to see. But at the time, um, different coach came and like things started going downhill. And I came to Portugal with the, with the idea, like, I don't want to, I want to, I don't want to show the Mexicans they were wrong. I want to prove myself I'm good, you know? And my, my focus was only on me. And like, I think I did a very good job because I feel better than I, than I was before. And then the Mexico game comes in the Azteca. And that's the first time I stepped the field after my ACL injury. I was like, I was afraid. I was afraid because like, could this happen again? Why, why did I have my ACL here? Like, is it the grass? Is it the, the atmosphere? Like, is it everything? Like what's going on? Like, I don't know what to expect. I was afraid to be honest, you know? Really? And then uh, I was, I was, to be honest, I was, uh, because like, you, you never know what can happen. The future never tells you, but to come the first time to that stadium where I had my injury and play again, in front of all these Mexicans that were waiting so much for me. But at the time I look around and I see all my brothers there, I'm like, I'm good. You know, I'm good. You were good. And Azorio got the goal and you guys more than got what you needed from that game. And then Mexico come to Edmonton, right? And the rest is history. It's been dubbed Azteca. You know, I was there. We don't, we all saw it. Um, your thoughts on that one. My thoughts are your free kick. Because your delivery from that free kick is absolutely sensational. It is, in, without doubt, the pass of the entire World Cup qualifying for campaign for me. Um, the delivery, but also just the stance after a little bit, a little bit of the. I, just, I love that. Talk to me a little bit about that because the celebration is immense. How everyone talks about Adakubi in the snowbank, but you're just standing there as just like, yep, I've de- stand and deliver, my friend. Yeah. No, it was it, it was a good ball at the time. I don't I don't know if you oh, probably not, but I put my body in a certain way that like the angle of the ball like depends on your body. If you're if you're too close, it's gonna go more open. Or if you if you're too to the right, it's gonna go more to the first post. So I put my body in a certain position where I like during the ref when the ref is talking or whatever, I kind of feel like the the way my body was and me running to the ball, this ball's gonna go way open, like second post, third post. And there was a time, you can see the video again, there was a time where I just do a little step to the right, you know, just like a little step to the right before taking the free kick. And then when I ste- when I did that step, I felt this is the good the right position. If you put your body in a certain position in a certain angle, 
it can have a big saying if the ball goes to the first post, the second post, the way it goes, if it's tense, if it's not, it goes quick or not. And there's a, a point on the video, a lot of people don't see this, but there's a, like a certain point where my body is in a certain way and I feel like if I go to the ball, it's going to go second post, third post. And there's a little, like I do a little step to the right, like a very small step. And when I do that step, I feel like, okay, I'm in the good position, you know? And it's, there's a thing with these Nike balls. I'm not even going to lie. These Nike balls on artificial grass, you kind of can hit it like as hard as you can, it's not going to go way up. So I'm, 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 it's a very big distance. You know, the Edmonton field is very big. It's a very big distance. And I'm like, I'm just going to put full strength on this, try to put it in the second post. Because, you know, as you see in the video, Edson Alvarez is, is with Steven Vitoria. And because like during the games before, my focus was always on Steven Vitoria. So I see him with Edson Alvarez. They're grabbing at Steven Vitoria pushes into the third post. And I'm like, wow, okay, this is a good gap. So I put my body on that certain position. I'm like, I'm just gonna, gonna, gonna go hit it. And I hit the ball, I hit the ball, and I just hear Kripo, Max Kripo saying, what a ball. And the ball travels, goes to Kyle, scores. I just do this and look at him. That's me looking at him. And he comes running to me and he grabs me. So that's the story behind it. That's the story behind it. I love that story. I actually have it on my yeah. phone. send it to you it's just the, oh and then, please please yeah, please i will send it to you and, and there's like forty five thousand people going crazy and the coolest man in the stadium is you <laughs> just standing <laughs> there i just love it and everyone goes nuts it's yeah. a, a really special an iconic canadian soccer moment no question about it nice. thank you thank um, you thank you yeah. thank you i, I want to ask you let me dive into this while, while i've got you then on on you as a player like who, who are your greatest mentors um, you know, tactically, who did you look at when you were younger? Because, and again, I'm not blowing smoke because you're here. I said it to you the day that you qualified. You know, we've waited a long time for a player like you in this country. And John Herman would say, anybody who knows anything about the sport in this country would say, we haven't produced many, if any, very many Stefan Estakios in this country, my friend. So who are your influences when you were younger? I know you grew up, you were born in Leamington, Ontario, but you grew up in Portugal. Um, talk to me a little bit about that mentors, your father, a different coach. Yeah, my father uh, played football, but not like not in a professional level. But at the like, he knows what it takes to be a professional footballer, and he says a lot of times, uh, it's not it's not hard to it's not hard to get there. It's hard to stay there. That's what he always says to me, you know. And like when it comes to like inside the like the field, all he all he asks is like commitment and everything. But the guy that technically really wanted me to like pass my level was my brother, Mauro Stakio. He's a coach at York. Uh, he used to play with the national team under 20, under 23, played at Ottawa, Edmonton. And he was the guy that, okay, after the game, let's sit down in our living room and see your game again. And then we will stop in each moment, see what I did good, see what I did bad. He was saying, oh, you have to turn here, look before, whatever. And then there was a certain point where I was playing at a certain level 
And like, I, I had luck because all my colleagues, like they love me, you know? And I had older colleagues that couldn't make this level. And they looked at me like, okay, I, I want to help this kid because like his commitment is so big and he has the quality that I want to help this kid. And at the third division, I had like three, four, five friends of mine in, the, in, that, in that team that always like helping me, helping me every day, every day, every day helping me. So I grew a lot, go to a second league team, Les Chons, have the same friends, have like different friends, but with the same, with the same commitment. I'm going to help this kid. And I, and I gather information, gather information, gather information. I go to the first, the first division, the same. And I'm like, wow, like all the juice that I've been drinking from these guys, you know, makes me at a certain level. And then like my brother, always calling, I saw your game. Let's talk about this situation. Why did you do this pass? Like for me, that, that was the, the I think I'm a professional player now. And I think like, um, I'm a team player, as you see, you know, mm. and I think I'm a team player because of my education and the education I had was my, my father, my brother, and all these older colleagues I was picking up from different teams that, you know, at the, at the, the, the bigger the level I was going, like the more juice I was picking up, you know, and that was, I mean, I can grow a lot more, but like, I feel that it was because of them that I'm on this level. Sure. That's fascinating, man. Fascinating. Yeah. I mean, you, for me, you're the modern day complete midfielder, right? Like we can get into different players around the world, but like, you know, you've got the vision of a number 10, right? The work rate of a number eight, the deep lying passes from midfielders of six. I've used it on our broadcast. I, I watch you and I think of Xabi Alonso. That's what I think. It, I mean, I don't know what you think, but like for me, dead ball delivery is outstanding. You know, the ability to work. Talk to me a little bit about that because everyone talks about what you do with the ball. But like you literally can play in a two regularly and sometimes be yeah. the six and, and be, be yeah. the, the deep the deep holding player. Is that something over the last couple of years, particularly your education under John and at Porto that you that you believe have gone even better in your game defensively? Yeah, for sure. Like I'm that type of midfielder where, as you said, you can't you can't see if I'm a six, if I'm an eight, if I'm a ten. Like there's a, there's obviously players where you look at them, you're like, this guy's a six. This guy can't do eight. This guy's an eight. This guy can't do six. This guy's a ten. But as I was growing, like no coach, and I asked, to be honest, I asked a lot, no coach could tell me which position I was in the midfield. Because like I have the intensity of a number eight. I have like the one, two touches of a number eight, but then I'm not afraid to go get the ball to my center back as a number six. And then at the third part of the field, I can make good passes to like a number 10. And they're, they're just like, for me, you can do six or eight like you don't have a certain position and there was moments where I doubted like do I like do I prefer to say to myself I'm a number six and grow as a number six or as a number eight and grow as a number eight or do I prefer to do both right I prefer to do both but there's certain levels where you're going to catch coaches where he likes his number six to have one and 90 something centimeters or yeah, he, he likes his number six to be bigger. I'm not that type of guy, right. you know, so I can be a number eight in his situation or there's a different coach that says, Oh, I have a two meter guy, but he doesn't know how to pass the ball with like, you know, move around the ball as a number six. And this kid does, I'm going to put this kid, you know? So like for me, I'd rather be good at doing both. 
and even like during the game, let's talk about John, for example. I play as a six, but if he wants to put some OPA, he could put me a more, little bit more up. No problem with that. If I play as a number eight, if he wants to put a number eight, also as example, I can drop to a number six. If he wants to put a team as a center back, can go to number six, you know? So it's for me, it's way better to, to do two, three positions. It's, I think it's better for the coaches. It's better for everybody. And uh, the player I used to look up a lot was uh, David Silva from, uh, from City back then. That was my guy, to be honest. That was my guy. I, called, I used to call David Silva the ultimate space invader. For sure. For sure. I mean, the, the calmness he has, the one-two touches, the, the quality passing. And this guy is, what, 170, probably? 168, something? And, like, people get afraid to play against him. Yeah, yeah. One of the best crazy ever, no, no doubt. Crazy about. player. Uh, crazy to- player. Talking about crazy players and world-class players, uh, you're going to go to Qatar, my friend, and play midfield against Kevin De Bruyne and Luka Modric. <laughs> How much you looking for? Crazy. <laughs> Oh, a lot. To be honest, um, I see this. I see this guy in Modric uh, Champions League semi-finals. Guys being man of the match, and I'm gonna be one v one against him. You know, but at the same time, you know, there's only one ball, eleven v eleven. I mean, anything can happen, right? Uh, they have the quality, but probably they're gonna underestimate Canada, and that's the worst thing you can do. So, I mean, can't wait for that day. While you play the game, no? For sure, for sure. Yeah. I think it's going to be a very good opportunity to, you know, all the Canadians be around. I hope there's going to be a lot of Canadians in Qatar, uh, fill stadiums, and just, I don't believe Canada ever scored a goal in the World Cup. I don't know. Yeah. Probably be the first. Men's World Cup, you're right, yeah. yeah. Ever going to be the first team to, to have a win in the World Cup, be the first team to pass the group, who knows? We're going to work for it, for sure. What's um what's Vancouver going to be like for you guys? The, ne- the coming up, obviously, we're taping this before you get there. Uh, how excited are you? Again, I know talking to some of these players that, that you know you talk about the brothers. You, you go away, you go to your clubs, but you know you go back to it's almost like playing with your friends, no, your best mates. Like, how excited are you to get back into this camp? Yeah, for sure, a lot. Like, imagine I have vacations now, and I'm gonna stop my vacations to play with for Canada. And my girlfriend's like, holy, like you just, you're just on vacation and now you have to go. And I, I, I tell her a lot of times when it's Canada and when it's like my brothers, I don't mind, you know, like I go, I go happy. And it's going to be like, I've never been in Vancouver before. Uh, I know it's a beautiful stadium. Uh, I think the city is one of the best cities in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm looking forward to it. Um, Kava's already there. He speaks a lot uh, good from, from Vancouver. Um, Alekoub's been there, Fondi's been there, so I think it's gonna be nice for them to come back and you know just uh, just appreciate the moment. And I mean, for in, in, in my in my opinion, it's always good for me to to come back to Canada and just just uh, appreciate everything and and uh, have a nice time. But, and how important is it, Steph, to turn the business head on a little bit now? Obviously, you did what you needed to do, World Cup qualifier. You did it with your buddies and you qualified and you've accomplished everything. But now it's business time. No, there's not that many games between now and the World Cup to get this done. Yeah, for sure. I think uh, I think it's a good opportunity to prepare for the World Cup. But at the same time, we're at that point where, as I said in the beginning of this interview, we look at our team and we can win everything. I'm not going to lie. We can win everything, you know? 
well, obviously World Cup in a it's hard. But I'm talking like Concacaf trophies. We can win everything. The only thing we need to do is put our minds to it and everybody be available. You know, not that thing of oh it's vacation. I'm not going. I need to rest. I have an injury. No, like everybody has to come. And probably like back in the days, oh I had a very long season. I need a rest. I'm not going to the Gold Cup. I'm not going to this game. I'm not going to that game. Like we need to, we need to we need to think that a lot of players are 23, 24, 25, and we can win a lot of trophies for Canada in these years. Everybody just has to have their mind to it and be available. That's it. Fantastic. Um, last one for you before I do a quick quiz at the end, a quick rapid fire. You mentioned your brother Maro earlier. I talked to Maro a lot. He's obviously now here with us in the Canadian Premier League assisting Martin Nash. You're doing a terrific job, by the way. York United, the best defensive record in the Canadian Premier League. They're flying. Um, how often do you speak to Maro? Do you keep an eye on the Canadian Premier League and York United? And how delighted are you that Maro's got involved in it? Yeah, for sure. I speak with my brother every day uh, about different situations. Uh, I can't see the games because 2 a.m., 3 a.m., 4 a.m. here, it's very hard. Uh, but in the morning, I check the results, text my brother, you know, congratulations on winning. Um, they win a game yesterday or two days ago, penalties against uh, Pacific. You know, he's good. I mean, he says the team is growing. He has a lot of young players. Uh, but, I mean, he's loving every minute about it. And I I wish I could follow CPL more. But, like, the time difference kills me, kills me a lot. But, I mean, I'm a fan of York now, to be honest. So, go York. Let's win it. I, lo- I love that. Um, a couple more with you. A couple of rapid-fire questions. What's, your fa- what's the favorite stadium you've ever played in? That's a hard one. You can take it different ways, right? Favorite, whether it's the most famous, the one that you, you know, played the best in, or you know, that little special fame stadium is the one that stands out for you. I like Porto Stadium a lot. I like the Azteca Stadium because of the history it has. But I think one of the, like, I, I loved playing in Costa Rica this this qualifying. Loved the stadium, the way like it was like so beautiful the people around the weather was amazing so i'm gonna say three porto azteca and the costa rica's name uh stadium i don't even know the name so i love that good good for you um who's the best player you've ever played against (sighs) played against i'm gonna have to say i'm gonna have to say corona in his prime at porto really that good that's crazy Crazy, crazy. For me, one of the best players of the league back then. Right. Crazy, crazy. Amazing. Um, who's your favorite teammates or favorite teammate that you've ever had? Club, international, since you were a kid, is there one favorite teammate or two? Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm a team guy, you know, I love everybody, but, you know, Richie, this guy is crazy. Richie is crazy. I, I, I love Richie because we've been talking a lot. He's, he's going through a little bit what I'm going through. In terms of minutes, and after a game, if I don't play, he texts me, keep going. If he doesn't play, I text him, bro, keep going, train hard. It's almost ending, you know, just go through it. Richie is one of those guys. Richie was one of those guys. Uh, I mean, it's hard to say one or two, but I, I believe, like, men's national team, all of them. I don't have problems with nobody. 
Yeah, all of yeah, them. I hear, I, I hear that all the time. And it, is there, <laughs> is the, is the one game right now that you find in your memory that you think about more than ever in your career? Is there a match that you look back and think that's the one that I'm going to be the one talking about for a long time, or is is that still to come maybe in Qatar? Uh, I hope that's one to come in Qatar. I hope that's one to come in Qatar. So I'm gonna say I'm gonna answer that. I hope so. That's that's a great answer. Listen, man, you've been so generous with your time. It's been a pleasure Thank to get you. to know you a little bit more. And I know so many of people who watch our show and so many people that love Canada soccer are massive Stefan Ostakio fans. They're there to celebrate when they can with you and and you know and cheer you on, follow your games over there. This country is just falling in love every day more and more with this game, and you're a massive part of it. So thank you for everything you've done for this country. Congratulations on an unbelievably successful season, unprecedented, my friend. And uh Good luck in the camp in Vancouver. Thank you very much for your, for your time. Thank you very much. I cannot thank Stefan enough for his time. Clearly, as you get to know him there, and as Canada needs to do, he is a wonderful, wonderful man. I hope, like me, after this, you can appreciate him even more. A top-class guy, and clearly, as I said in the interview, a player Canada have been waiting for for a very long time. Much to like on this team, much like many of, us, many of his teammates. At the end of the day, they're very likable guys. And if you're new to this series, just to let you know on Beyond the Pitch here on this YouTube channel, you can watch many, in fact, over 14 or 15 interviews now with many of Stefan's teammates on Canada's World Cup qualifying squad. So many stories, so many great guys, and just a, a, an appreciation for them as they've made their journey to Qatar 2022. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed this. Thanks for spending some time with me and, of course, with Stefan over the next over the last half an hour or so. My next one is coming up this week. will be with Junior Hoylett, another underappreciated, underappreciated Canadian sports star who's been magnificent for many years playing his trade, obviously, in Europe. Uh, I'll be joined by Junior, and we'll be releasing that interview this week. But until then, enjoy the games wherever you're watching. God bless. Take care, and we'll see you next time. Thank <laughs> you.